I know you guys have heard me say this before, and I'm guilty of saying it all the time, but I think it is so incredibly true that we go through experiences in life so that we can serve other people through what we have learned from those experiences. And today's guest is someone that went through the unimaginable. As a mom, I can't even fathom what his parents must have gone through um, in having two sons that are around the age of the same age as when he went through his life-changing experience. It really made me think. So I'm going to introduce to you today, Steve Hopper, and I cannot wait to share his story with you. Once I learned about Steve and his first phase and then, you know, what he's doing in his second phase, I just knew I had to tell his story. And I'm so blessed that he was willing to come on for an interview. I feel just absolutely honored that he took the time to sit and chat with me. So I can't wait to share this interview with you. So please um, let me introduce Steve Hopper. As one of the most inspiring speakers in the market today, Steve Hopper brings a fresh and powerful presence to the professional speaking industry. Steve has delivered hundreds of presentations at corporate events, leadership and business conferences, personal development seminars, high schools and universities, churches, and even correctional facilities. With his life-shifting keynotes, seminars, and workshops, Steve leaves his audience with an overwhelming desire to want more, to do more, and to become more. He's been featured on TV, radio, and in several magazines and publications. As the author of From Prison to Purpose, he has inspired the masses through his personal story of turning a setback into a comeback and winning the most important game of all, life. So please tune in and enjoy this episode as I interview Steve and we learn about his incredible journey and his journey from prison to purpose. Hello friends, welcome to the second phase podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Steve Hopper, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Hey, Robin. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm humbled, honored, excited to be here with you. So uh, let's do it. Yeah, I'm. Well, we have been chit chatting behind the scenes now for probably a half an hour, and chances are that the value that was in that conversation should have been recorded at the same time. But I have been chomping at the bit to have you on the show because I have two boys. 
and they are 20 and 18 and they are powerhouses when it comes to strength and athletic ability. And so when I originally heard your story on the Laura Shipman show, I thought I have to talk to this guy and Laura so generously gave us a virtual introduction. And so we planned the interview and here we are today and I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, um, Steve, um, let's start with your phase, your, your first, first phase, shall we say, because I think it's very intriguing. And I think that you have been on a life journey that can inspire and impact so many people on so many levels. But I think we need to start at the very, very beginning when you were what, 17 years old, 18 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And we could even go back just to even a little bit further than that. You know, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. I started playing football when I was four years old. It was what I was going to do with my life. I wasn't going to be a doctor, fireman or policeman or anything like that. I was going to be a football player. And at the young age, I had that natural talent and my parents put me in the best programs they could over the years to help, you know, feed that passion that I had for the sport and got into high school and the, the opportunities were there for the taking to go to the next level. Um, and, you know, I had a desire to go play at the University of Florida. I wanted to be a Gator, you know, most of my life. And uh, so excited about offer the, all the other opportunities that were in front of me. And um, one night, my senior year in high school, I would make a split second decision that would literally change the course of my life forever. I got invited to a keg party down in the southern part of Tampa, Florida, and it was a private beach and a big bonfire and and we showed up and there were a couple hundred teenagers partying, drinking, doing what we had no business doing at 16 and 17 years old, right? And we had been at this party for a short period of time and a fight broke out uh, with some teens from one of our rival high schools and I engaged in that fight. And I took a swing that I did not know at that moment would uh, just change the entire trajectory and the entire course of my life. And, you know, it was just another Friday night. It was, it was another fight. It was another party. Like we had, we'd been in those situations before we'd seen those kind of situations before. And, you know, somebody yelled cops and everybody runs to their cars and they go home. Well, three days later, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, uh, which is our, our local sheriff here in Tampa, showed up at my parents' home with a warrant for my arrest. One of the teens that I had hit during the Friday night fight had slipped into a coma. And at that moment, it was like the clock just stopped ticking in my life. My dad took me down and turned me into the county jail. And, and right before I walked through that door, he said to me, he said, son, just be strong, keep your head up. Uh, we're going to get you out of here and we're going to get this figured out. And what he didn't know at that moment, and neither did I, was that the judge decided to revoke my bond because this young man was in a coma and they did not know if he was going to live or if he was going to die. So um, I sat in the county jail for three months, my senior year in high school, waiting to find out if he was going to live or if, or, or if he was going to die, you know, whether they were going to charge me with murder or whether they were going to charge me with attempted murder. And, you know, when I um, called home about three months into it, my mom answered the phone crying. Uh, and she said, Steve, he came out of the coma. He's going to live. 
and it was, you know, Robin, it was the best news I'd ever heard in my life up until that point. Right. But, um, you know, as I speak at our high schools and our middle schools to our youth, I try to impart on them that like, look, you know, when you make bad choices, there are almost always going to be bad consequences that are attached to those choices. And for me, for me, those consequences were going to be great. Um, at 17 years old, they sentenced me to 10 years in Florida state prison. Yeah. And, um, nothing in life. It was a shock. It, you know, it was a shock to our family. It was a shock to our friends. It was a shock to everybody that knew us. And, um, nothing in life had prepared me for the world that I was about to enter. I got sent to one of the worst prisons in the state of Florida at the time. The gang violence was d uh, daily. The riots were weekly. And I fought for my life on numerous occasions. I watched people stabbed to death, beat to death right in front of me. It was a far cry from anything I had ever experienced or known in my life. And it was about a year into my incarceration. Um, I had just turned 18 years old, you know, a lot long before that. And it was lights out time. And it was, uh, you know, again, about a year in and this particular night, you know, that steel door slammed shut on that prison cell. And there I was sitting in that cell in the pitch darkness. And, and this night, the weight of the world just came crashing in on me. I felt every emotion that you could imagine feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, remorse, fear, regret. Like I was one year into a 10 year sentence and it had been hell and I didn't think I was going to, you know, survive the next nine. Everything I'd hoped for, dreamed for, wanted for my entire life was gone. And as I sat there in that cell, I felt like my life was over. I felt like my life had no purpose, like it had no meaning. And as I sat there and these emotions consumed me, I crouched down in the corner of the cell. I started crying and Robin for the first time in my life, the thought of suicide crossed my mind. Like I, I thought in that cell that night about taking my own life. And in that moment, darkest moment of my life, um, I remembered something in that moment that my grandfather had told me when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. um, I used to spend my summers at my grandparents' house and my grandfather was a Christian and he was always preaching at me all during those summer visits, you know, trying to part those words of wisdom. But I don't want to hear none of that, right? I have my own agenda. And one summer he got my attention and said, son, just promise me one thing. And I said, yeah, granddaddy, what is it? He said, just promise me that if you're ever at your darkest moment in life and your back's against the wall and you don't feel like you have any way out, just drop to your knees immediately and cry for God and he will show up. And yeah, okay, granddaddy, whatever, right? Like in one ear and out the other, or so I thought, because I did not think about that conversation again until that night in that cell. And so I why was, would you, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, Life's never right. going to get that bad. Right. And I was there, you know, darkest moment of my life back against the wall. And it's just crazy in that moment that that memory, that statement, that seed that was planted um, manifested in that moment. And I took his advice and I spun around on my knees in that prison cell and I laid my face on the floor and I cried like I never cried before in my life. And when I called out for God, um, it, it created this immediate shift in my life. I mean, it really did. And I know it's hard for a lot of people that are going to listen to this to understand. I'm not here preaching, but you're asking me my story. So here it is. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> excuse me, but but yeah, no, that's allergies. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, it, it created a shift, you know, and, and I realized in that moment, Robin, here's my point in telling that to everybody is that I realized that my life did have meaning and it did have purpose. And, and I had no idea what that purpose was, but I had this overwhelming feeling inside that I had been created for something way bigger than anything I'd ever done and way bigger than, of course, where I was at in that moment and that there was a plan and that I needed to, I needed to be ready and start getting ready for whatever that plan was. So I woke up the next morning. I had this new lease on life. I began to eat, sleep, drink every ounce of self-development material that I could get my hands on. I had no idea what I was going to use it for one day. Um, I just wanted to develop from the inside out. And, um, the next portion of the, the prison stay, I'd ended up doing seven years on the 10 year sentence. So I went in at 17, I got out at 24 years old and that first year was hell. But when that shift created within me, um, it, it changed a lot of things for me too. It changed it, how I looked at my scenario, it changed my attitude. It changed uh, the way I interacted with the other guys in the prison. And, and it just really, it really changed everything. So the, the, the next six years of that seven years, uh, was not nearly as brutal as that first year was. And, uh, so I walked out at 24 years old and it was time to go figure out whatever it was that I was supposed to be doing. Wow. Like <laughs> what is one supposed to respond to with a story like that? And my mind is spinning because I'm, I'm thinking about that moment in time that you had and then you took that upon yourself. And I'm sure that it was a God wink and that he was holding your hand through the entire experience, those next six years that you were yeah. there. But you, you digested all of this information. And then from what you've told me, you took everything you knew and you sort of, unbeknownst to you at the time, launched your career. Yeah, by absolutely. sharing everything that you were learning and speaking and telling the other people within the prison walls what you were learning. Yeah, it's crazy. I uh, I was as I was going through all this personal development stuff, there were I would do these little uh, I call them events, right? Because that's my my lingo now. But I would just gather some guys together and I would just share with them some of the cool stuff that I was learning in these books. And these guys were eating it up, you know, so here I am teaching these guys how they can change their life when they get out of prison. I hadn't even got out of prison yet. Like I didn't even have like a success story to share with them. Right. But they were eating it up and they were listening to it. And of course, when I got out of prison, um, there were some doors that opened. I was dating a girl at the time. Her brother worked at a car dealership and got me a job, a uh, straight commission job selling cars. And, you know, I knew obviously that wasn't what I was going to do in my life, but you know, I had a, you know, I was at a crossroads. I got out of prison. I'm, I'm an ex-convict, no college education. I need to make money. So I began to start selling cars and just applying, you know, and using all of the stuff that I'd studied and learned over the years and became one of the top salespeople in the company. And then I got my own dealership. They gave me my own dealership and that dealership became very successful. And eventually they flew me out to Arizona and made me a national trainer for the company. And so there I was traveling around, speaking, inspiring, motivating, and, and doing all those types of things. And then in 2008, they called me in the office one day and said, Hey, you know, we're, uh, 
we're letting you go. And uh, it was an absolute shock to me. And um, I lost everything. I wasn't prepared for that moment. You know, as I told you earlier, we were talking, you know, I was making six figures a year. I thought I was rich, right? I thought it was never yeah. going to go away. And, and it did. And there, there I was, ex-convict, no college education, um, could not find a job, ended up losing everything. I was at a, uh, a, a, a rock bottom place in my life again you know, and now this time when you were rock bottom, did you have those same emotions that you had the first time you were rock bottom? Or did that experience change your perspective on the view of being rock bottom, rock bottom? You know, it totally did. You know, I mean, obviously, it was completely different. Like I wasn't sitting there saying, Oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, you know, I don't want to live anymore, right? Like I was in that cell that night, you know, I, but I did begin to question, you know, like, what, what have I done wrong? Like, what did I make a mistake? Did I not do something I was supposed to do? You know, and of course, this is me talking to God, you know, like, why? Why is this happening? And um, at first, I was hurt by it. You know, I was angry. Like, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out here. I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm doing these things. And, you know, what, you know, why? So um. I began to to realize that if I was going to get back out there and do, you know, become successful, that I needed to create my own destiny. So, I mean, nobody was hiring me. I wasn't getting a job. And I'm so, I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm Robin. I'm so grateful and thankful for that moment now, you know, mm -hmm. because it forced me into entrepreneurship. It forced me into owning my own business. It forced me to step out of what was comfortable and where I was complacent and made me go to a whole different place. So I began to look at what my skill set was and what the need was in the market. And I knew it was 2008. And obviously, a lot of small business owners were, were struggling, right? during that time. And we're about to go through something similar to that here in the very near future. I have a feeling if yes. what we're going through right now doesn't clear up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but I began to go out and, and teach some principles to small business owners as how they could grow their business without these really, really high marketing budgets. And it began to grow from there. I had a, a marketing company, but there was just something missing. Even though I was doing well, I, I didn't feel like I was playing at the level that I had been created to play at and that I could play at. And so I went on a mission to figure out what that purpose was. And as we, you and I discussed earlier, you know, there were some things that, that happened and it just all began, began to come crystal clear to me as to what it was that I was supposed to be doing. And it was supposed to be out inspiring speaking coaching on a very very high level so that's the transition I had, <laughs> in that a nutshell me, that brings me to a question though okay. steve because so you had had that experience ori originally and you had a relationship with god at this point like i i'm assuming you were mm -hmm. you were trusting him you were allowing him to lead you and when these opportunities arose you were recognizing that they were there was direction there. You were being guided to follow these. 
what would you say to someone that is experiencing these things over and over again? You know, they're, they're in a job, they're happy, they're having success, they're making money and that falls off. Then they have a death in the family and they're heartbroken and then they lose another job and their, their life seems to go in these, you know, peaks and valleys, but the valleys seem to be much more present than the peaks. Like, what would you recommend to somebody to, you know, help find the same guidance that you found? I would say it's important to remember, and and I think that anybody and everybody that's listening to this, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how bad things might get at times, uh, we've been in bad situations before in our lives. And in those moments where I was sitting in that prison cell thinking, you know, my life is over, I'm, ne I'm never going to get through this, right? And what happened? I did right? And it became beautiful on the other side. And then when I lost everything, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to survive this? And I did. And I believe that anytime we're going through these things in our lives, I believe that God will use those experiences to strengthen us, to get us ready for that next level, you know? And I believe, you know, as well that we're we have this burning desire in us to play at an extremely high level in our lives. And it's one of the reasons that so many people uh, experience dissatisfaction in life is because they set a goal and then they hit it and then they're like, oh my gosh, okay, well, I got to go to the next goal. And then they're dissatisfied and, until they hit that next goal. And it's because we've been created to play at this crazy high level like that's what we I mean think about it mm -hmm. we as human beings like we are we're it on this earth like we seriously like there's no nothing out there that has more potential and that can do more than what we can do as human beings so we've been created from day one to be able to do these crazy amazing things and we experience that dissatisfaction until we get there. So again, to, I know I'm, I'm going off here, but <laughs> to answer your question, people just need to remember that they've been created for something extremely powerful that they can do in their life. And their experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything is really preparing them to fulfill whatever that is. The problem is, is that some people stop searching for that. They stop searching for that thing because they get caught up in life and relationships and, you know, what and, and paying the bills, right? They get caught up in paying the bills and they forget that there's something they're supposed to go and do while they're here. And it's big and it's mm -hmm. big. So those tough times, we have to look at them and remember that it's going to make us better. And it's usually getting us ready for that big thing that we're going to do. I think it's important to remember too, and you kind of touched on this, but we've all been given a unique gift. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes the hard, the hard places or the hard times for us to realize that we actually have a gift or for those gifts to be drawn out. Don't you think? Yeah. And sometimes we're forced to go find those gifts because you know, it's funny, I always think about this, uh, you know, that Garth Brooks song, Un Unanswered Prayers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we want this one thing, and we work so hard for it, we pray so hard for it, or whatever, and it doesn't happen. And, and we and we get upset, but then 
later down the road, we're like become so thankful that it didn't work out the way we had thought it was going to work out. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. ends up working out way better than way what better. we could have anticipated. Way better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online, but you're stuck on the tech and the how to, you have no idea how to attract new clients into your business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During my brand marketing strategy sessions, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. The six pillars of success include online marketing, storytelling. Let me say that again. The six pillars of success include online marketing, storytelling, relationship building and client connection, differentiation, personal branding, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, we will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success. There will be time to focus on your business and time to learn as we focus on the other five participants' businesses. We will run a mini mastermind group the second and third Wednesday of each month. Check the website, www.therobingraham.com for details. And I'll include the link in the show notes as well. One thing that when I was doing my research about you, um, <laughs> the one thing that you say is, if you are a person that has goals or dreams that you haven't tapped into yet, you help them identify those. And I think this conversation that we just had kind of leads to a discussion on that. Like, how do you, in your coaching business, and we'll get to your speaking business and you know, your speaking and sure. everything in a little bit, but from a coaching perspective, how do you, how do you help people identify those goals and those dreams that, or even unique gifts that they haven't tapped into yet? So one of the things that we do is we, you know, when working with coaching clients is, you know, what are, what are you extremely passionate about? I think one of the most powerful questions that I could ever ask anybody is if, if you weren't getting paid a dime to do it, what would you do every day and wake up every day fired up, wake up every day filled with this joy to go and do it, this passion, this desire, what would it be? Because I think that that will many times lead people to, um, to what that thing is, right? Because I believe as well that we can make, we can make a business out of anything nowadays, any passion that we have, because we're in the information age, right? Mm -hmm. So if you love playing the guitar, you could make money teaching people how to play the guitar. I mean, it's so there's, and you can, we could just go on and on, right? We could spend hours right. here giving a bunch of examples. But for me on a personal standpoint, like for me, it was, 
you know, I, and I mentioned this to you earlier, the first, when I first started going out and speaking, I was speaking for free for a whole year because I was just so excited. People wanted me to come speak and share my story. And my wife came to me and said, are you ever going to make any money doing this? So I realized <laughs> that I needed to build a business model around that. Right. And, and it was my passion. So I was willing to get up every day and go do it. Like with this overwhelming passion and desire and excitement because I loved it. And I was walking in my, in my purpose. Right. So I don't know if I'm getting off track there with the answer to your question, but when I'm sitting down with people, I want to know what is it that you really love? Like, what do you want to, what do you want to do? If you could do anything, what would it be? You know, and yeah. then we start to, you know, we start to take it from there. Yep. I use, and because you have a personal back, personal branding background and expertise as well, I can, I can tell you this, but what I, what I say to my clients is um, think about your values, your visions, and your passions. And those three things combined will equal what it is that you're meant to be doing, either your personal brand or your niche, or, you know, use those three things and collectively they're going to get you to the point where you're supposed to be. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And messaging is a key part of it too. You know, I, I have an exercise that I do. I do this at my seminars. I do this uh, in my coaching programs as well is if I put you on stage today and you knew that it was your, your last day on earth, like you knew that, th th that this was it, it was over for you. Right. And I filled the room with your friends, your family, um, the people that were closest to you, and I threw in some strangers for good measure. What would be the message that you would share with them? You only have one, one statement, one statement. What would it be if you could leave them with one thing, one thing that you've learned through the years, one thing that is your core message, what would you say to them? And a lot of people struggle with this, but once they get it, once they get that core message, a lot of times that core message will, will become the foundation of not only their confidence and courage to go after that one thing, but it actually becomes part of it on their journey to go and achieve it. So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. So you get that core message together. And a lot of times your branding is related to your core message. And mm -hmm. I know that you know that as well as a branding expert. So what's yeah. the, what's the message? What's your message to the world? Right. And you know, it's so funny because what you just said is so, so very powerful. And you know, right before you said the word powerful, like it was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> it's like, it's that powerful, but it, you know, it, we talked about the unique gifts, but we also each have messages, but we have our own unique way of sharing those messages. And, you know, you're a phenomenal speaker and your energy just, goes right out into the audience and I and I've watched I haven't seen you live but I've watched you know some of your on of your speeches that were online and it's you know that energy is there that passion is there and we're not all meant to be incredible speakers we don't no. all have that unique gift but maybe we can write or maybe we can just verbally tell stories to the next generation but you know, maybe we can just do like non-live videos and edit the heck out of them just to get the message across because we don't have the same abilities or confidence or whatever it takes to be on a stage, but those gifts are there. And I think that's the underlying premise of your message is that we, they're there. We just have to find them. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's one of the reasons that every single one of my coaching clients becomes a published author. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. If they're not willing to sit down and write a book, then I can't coach them. And, and one of the reasons that I do that is because, I mean, I have coaching clients that are introverts, you know, that are, are shy and they, they're, they're never going to want to get on stage and speak. They're never, they're never going to be 100% comfortable with hopping on video and teaching and sharing their message and doing all those types of things, right? Or using their gift in that way. But they'll write a book and get their message and get that, get that gift in front of more people. Because, you know, I have a, I have a quote that, that I coined actually, and, and it, it says knowledge is power, but sharing your knowledge is purpose. And I think Mm -hmm. that we're in that day and age. And if we've been gifted with something and people say, okay, I'm gifted at this, but I don't know how to make a business out of that, or I don't know how to profit from that gift necessarily everybody needs to understand that there are millions of people possibly out there that would like to learn about your gift it may not be their gift but they might like to learn how to do it better whatever that gift is mm-hmm. so like well yeah. and to your point you know there may be, and I hear this a lot. Well, somebody else is already doing that. Somebody else already has that business. So what? They're not doing it the way that you're going to do it. Exactly. And not everybody's going to hear their message. There are people out there that are only going to hear the message the way you're going to share it. That's right. Comparison is a success killer all day long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because nobody's you, you know, we all have our own fingerprints. Nobody's ever had that fingerprint before and nobody will ever have it again. You know, you said unique gifts. Yeah, exactly right. Because we've all been created uniquely, you know, so I could go on, I could go to an event with some of the top speakers in the world and I know I'm going to get up there and crush it. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to compare myself to them because they don't have my story and I don't have theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you 100%. Yeah. If there's anything anybody takes away from this, it's, it's, well, I mean, obviously there's a story of resilience here as well, but just that, that we each have our own purpose and we each have unique gifts to be able to share that purpose with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fear and fear won't get you there. Mm -hmm. You know, fear is, fear is designed to keep us safe and, safe is not going to get you to that level that you're capable of playing at. It never will get you to that level. It will keep you right where you're at because it's safe. Yeah. It's the status quo and nobody, nobody wants to be there. As you said earlier, we all have that burning desire to push forward or work harder or achieve something greater. And that's just innate in us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So when I went, when I went to look up your book on Amazon Mm -hmm. and um, you know how we, the book will come up and that's the main part of the screen. And then below that they have recommendations and, you know, people often bought these together and it has like the book you're looking at plus another book, plus another book, you know, and then there's all three lined up. Well, one of the books that was there was um, Max Licato's book, God will use this for good. And I was like, okay, now 
how ironic is it that that's the book that is recommended alongside your book? Because, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I've, I've said this, I don't know, thousands of times that we go through experiences to then share those experiences and serve other people through what we learned from those experiences. Right. And that's exactly what you're doing. But you took that negative experience that you had and you started at a very young age, which you know we know that the brain doesn't develop until 25. So here you are 18 years old and you're already doing something so powerful by sharing the material that you're learning and how you, you know, you empowered yourself through learning, but then you shared that. So immediately your purpose was to share your gifts and your knowledge with other people. So, okay. So I'm saying all this and kind of rambling, but I'm getting to a point because I want to know if, was there a story when you were in prison that from everything that you spoke about, you know, that's where you launched your speaking career, really. Were there people that you influenced that it changed the course of their life or their stay in prison? Um, obviously, it had a, a, a very huge impact on, you know, some of the stuff that we were discussing. You know, not only did, was it having an impact on me, but it was having an impact on some of the other guys as well. Um, I do have uh, a friend that I'm still very good friends with today who uh, went out and and built a very successful business for himself uh, as well. Um, buddy of mine named Bill, you know, went out and did some big things. Um, obviously, I lost track of a lot of the people that I was in there with, but I will tell you one really cool story here. I had an opportunity to go back last year and speak at one of the prisons that I was incarcerated at. And this crowd of guys come in and as I'm there speaking, I'm looking out in the audience, I see a guy that, you know, I was friends with in, in prison and that I had had a lot of conversations with and, and I'm go I'm looking at him and I actually called him out, right? I just stopped speaking and I called him out. And I said, what are you doing here? And he just kind of dropped his eyes in shame. And I said, you, I, you didn't have a life sentence and I've been gone since 2001. So did you get out and come back? And I'm not, mind you, I'm calling him out in front of everybody there. Right. Yeah. And he, he said, yeah, twice. And I looked at him and I said, how many more times are you going to do this? And I just left it there. And then I continued to tell my story. And he literally came up with to me at the end in tears. And he said, Steve, he said, I get it. I get it now. You know, I didn't get it back then. I didn't get it through all these situations. I don't know why. Right. But when you said that to me tonight, I got it. I finally once and for all got it. And so I don't know, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, a couple people that I know got out and did well. And then a couple people that I had the opportunity to speak with and engage with in there, they got out and, you know, so at the end of the day, it, what it boils down to is this Robin, is that 
And I say this at my seminars all the time. I'm like, listen, you guys can come in here and you can take a whole bunch of notes. All right. And you can go home and put it on the stack of notes of all the other seminars and workshops and everything else you've ever been at, been to. And you can just keep going about your business. What's the purpose? Or you can actually take the stuff that you're learning in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and actually use it to go be that person that you're supposed to be. Some people will, and some people won't. You know, all of our life experiences, all the things we've heard, all the things we've been taught, everything, we all have the tools to go do whatever it is we want to do. I am a ex-convict, Robin, with no college education that is speaking at multi-million dollar masterminds, telling millionaires with college degrees how they can go to the next level in their business and in their life. So the if we stop putting limitations on ourselves and we take the things that we've learned in life, I believe life is the best school you will ever attend in your life. So, and everybody on this, listening to this right now has had some crazy, amazingly good experiences and some crazy bad experiences, but we've learned from every single one of them and there's nothing stopping anybody from here listening to this right now from doing anything and everything that they want, period. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you couldn't have said that better now. Okay. So let me ask you this. Cause you did just say something that I find very interesting. And that is, you know, you're an ex convict with no college education and you are now educating other people who are making tons and tons of money, you know, on how to better their lives, better their careers, make more money, more, have more success. What would you say to that high school student who struggles in school or maybe doesn't even struggle in school, but does not like school, does not want to go to college. What would you say to them? And the reason I'm asking is because I have a high school senior and he has great plans for his life, but I have friends whose kids don't want to go to college. And those friends are really struggling with, oh my gosh, she's never going to be successful. He's not going to college. What's he going to do? How's he going to support a family someday? And I would love to have you, to hear your perspective on that because you've done it. You beat all odds and you even have that title of ex-convict on your record that these kids don't even have. But yet, you know, the parents are freaking out, which I understand completely because, you know, sure. you have kids, you, you immediately kind of map out their life for them and college is in that typically. So what, what would you say to, to those kids that maybe don't want to go on to college or to those parents that, you know, really think that's the path their kids should take, but they're losing that battle with their kids? Well, I would say first and foremost to the kids that what you import is what you export. So we have to take advantage of every ounce of education and growth and knowledge that we can get our hands on. I didn't go to college, not because I didn't want to, I didn't go to college because I couldn't like I was forced to go to a different kind of college, right? And if if I could go back and, and I could do it all over again, I would have chosen obviously to go to college. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? But we have to take the opportunities. If somebody has an opportunity to go to college and gain education, who knows? They they may figure out why they're in while they're in college, 
what their real passion is. It may get introduced to them in that moment, right? They may gain the education in that moment to go and fulfill whatever that purpose is uh, one day, right? That they're supposed to go and fulfill. Don't ever pass up any opportunity to grow. So if they have an opportunity to go to college and they don't, they're making a huge mistake in their life because again, it's an opportunity to grow. And for the parents right now that are kind of struggling with this, I would say that whatever their child decides to do, they, they have to have faith and understand and know that life is going to teach their kids whatever it is that their kids need to know to get to the next level if they're paying attention. And they need to have faith that they can't. My mom and dad were devastated when I went to prison. Think about that. I can't even imagine. And my mom can't stop talking about me now. <laughs> you know, like she is more proud than she's ever been, you know, because of what I'm out doing. So listen, we can't control every aspect of what happens or what decisions other people make. You know, obviously I have four kids. I hope they all go to college, right? But I know this, I know that if God's in control and if we have faith that God's in control, whatever paths are taken, God's gonna do everything he can to bring them back to that place that they need to be at to go to where he needs them to go. Yeah, that's a good point. Very yeah. good point. So- But, but, but. <laughs> Go to college for God's sakes. What's the matter with you guys? I don't want to go to college. Do you, know how many, do you know how many people out there would love to go to college right now, would just give anything to be in a position to be able to go and do that? I didn't even get to, I mean, even if it's, even if it's just for the experience, I mean, think about that, Robin, like, Oh, I wouldn't have traded it for anything yeah, from, from, from 18, you know, from 17 to 24, I was in prison. My friends were at college. Like, I mean, come on, like, let's think about this for a second. If nothing else, get there and go for the experience. I'm not telling you to go there and mess around or whatever, right. And waste mom and dad's money or your scholarship or anything else. But do not pass up an opportunity that's being in, being put in front of you, period. That's crazy. Yeah, that's great advice. Very great advice. Okay, so one last question, and this is somewhat more on a personal note as well, but okay. as a parent, how do you communicate to your kids? And I, I think I said it earlier. I know I said it before when we were talking offline. I have two boys that are big, strong, athletic boys, and they could get in a fight in a bar or at a party at any given time, and the same thing could happen to them. Right. Like, how do you, because I'm sure your parents told you, don't, don't do this, don't get in a fight, you know, whatever. But how, what, what can we as parents do to teach our kids that there are these great consequences that are beyond their any comprehension they could possibly have at this age? Okay. So here's what I'm going to tell you. It takes a village, right? We all, mm -hmm. we all know that statement, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And what I've found a lot of times is that 
my voice, I mean, I'm who I am, right? Like I'm a motivational speaker. My kids look up to me. Obviously they think I, you know, I've been, they know my story. I've been through a lot, obviously. And, and, and they do look up to me, but they don't always listen to everything that I tell them. Right. Because <laughs> they know it all. And oh, you're just dad and dad, you're telling me this because you have an ulterior motive, whatever it is. Right. So that's the relationship, especially with teenagers. Right. They're not going to listen to anything that we have to say as their parents. But what we have is we have so many other stories and so many other scenarios and so many other things that we can, we can share with them. Like I let my kids um, stay out of school to come to my events many times because I know that when other people get up and share stories and share experiences at my event, my events are not just me standing up talking, right? It's, you know, I, I engage my audience and people get to share up, they share stories and struggles and, and, and success practices and things like that. And my kids get to hear that. Now I could say the same thing to my kids and they would go in one ear and out the other, but when they hear it from somebody else, I'll give you another example. I'm going to have two teenage girls, right? Um, and one that's about to be a teenager. I have four kids total, three girls. And the last one was a boy. Never give up. That's my motto, right? Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> um, you know, with these teenage girls, you know, human trafficking is a big deal out there right now. And they yeah. want to go and they want to, they want to be free, right? They want to be dropped off at the mall and, you know, walk around or they want to, whatever the case may be. So in these situations where, you know, I'm pre com constantly preaching at them about safety and watching their surroundings and different things like that. And they're like, yeah, dad, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden I will show them an article or a video on YouTube of, of, a, of a story of a girl that's their age that just got kidnapped, you know? And all of the sudden, now they get it. So <laughs> it does take a village. And we have so many tools available to us nowadays to teach our kids these lessons. So to answer your question, your boys need to read my book. And <laughs> your boys, right? Your boys need to watch my video or or another video. And you know, somebody else's video, whatever. But if we can get back to a place where we are putting personal development stuff in front of our kids, my 11 year old daughter is writing a book right now and she wants to be a motivational speaker and she just started her YouTube channel and she's going to start putting a tremendous amount of content in there and things like that. And, you know, that's, come from her being exposed to a lot of personal development mm -hmm. well and that's not something they're going to learn in school well you sure know, right we, we're not teaching our kids how to become entrepreneurs we're not teaching our kids those personal development components that are going to make them stand out or identify their differences whenever they're older and i think those are those are really powerful lessons to to yeah. teach kids absolutely yep yeah. Okay. So one last question. And, um, well, I have a couple, but we're going to go really quickly now. Okay. I know I'm taking up a lot of your time, but, um, so you do all these speaking engagements and you do live events. And I just want you to share a little bit, if you're willing on how you do that and how you do it in such a successful way. Okay. Um, first and foremost is you have to, you have to find a topic that there's a need for it. you you want to find a topic of your event that is going to draw people in okay so 
um, it's got to be something that, you know, your topic almost needs to spell out what it is that your event is going to be about. It needs to be something that's going to draw your market in. Okay. Um, we set up a date, we set up a time, we find a location, and then we start marketing the heck out of it. So we do that both online, we do that both offline. So we're going out and we're going to networking events and we're shaking hands and we're telling everybody about the upcoming event and what it is that they're going to learn and how it's going to benefit them and all of that. And we do that for a prolonged period of time. We try to mar start marketing events 90 days in advance. And just to, yeah, just to really, really get in front of as many, because it's a numbers game at the end of the day because you want to fill that room with as many people as you can. And here's why I tell you that, because the people you're looking as an entrepreneur or business professional, you are looking for a person, you're looking for the people that are looking for you. You are looking for the people that have the problems that you have the solution for, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, not everybody is running around town with their problem written across their shirt. So a lot of times they'll come to the, come to your events or they'll come to your workshops or they'll come to your seminars and they don't even know they had the problem when they walked in. And then all of a sudden they go, that's what's been holding me back. Right? Mm -hmm. So the goal is to, to get as many people to engage with us as possible so that the people that are there and that need us and, and that have that problem that we can solve, they will expose themselves through that scenario. So that's kind of the, that's why we do so much promotion and we try to get so many people uh, to these events so that we can find the right people to work with. But here's what I, here's the problem. When I, when I created my six figure seminar system where I teach business owners and professionals how to use live events to grow their businesses, one of the biggest problems that I see is just getting started, like just doing it, just saying, you know what, I'm going to do an event about this and find yourself a location, pick a date, put it on the calendar, put, put it on the calendar, find your location, get your marketing material together for that event, and then just start promoting the heck out of it. And during that promotion process, obviously you're getting your, yourself prepped and ready to go and deliver that content, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the other big things, it's a, a big issue that I see is people will do events, but they don't have any kind of progression process after they do the event. In other words, they'll, they'll, they'll maybe come in and teach some content and maybe they even have a small price tag on that, but they get in, they teach that content and at the end, it's over. And what they don't realize is that, that there's a large portion of the audience that is saying, I want more, I want more, I want more, and they don't offer them the more. So that's another big issue that I see with people doing the difference between people doing successful events and people doing, you know, events that are not successful. I say it's a combination of both your offline and your online. And, I, and I'm not talking about even spending money on Facebook ads. I'm talking about just promoting the event organically in your social media and going out and pro, uh, promoting it at networking events and talking to people about it and recruiting other people to help you promote it as well. Did that answer your question or did I just No, like, it totally yeah. answered my questions. And I think it's something that a lot of people need to, to hear because 
you know, I mean, I know for myself, I'm, I'm somewhat intimidated to do an event by myself, um, you know, and I, all the logistics and everything that goes into it. But I think just knowing that if you start ahead of time and you give yourself that 90 days, maybe 60 days, but I think 90 days from what I'm reading is, is key to market it, you can make it a success. But I think what you said about having the follow-up and how they can learn more and how they can grow more from you after the fact is really important. Yeah. And, you know, I really encourage all my coaching clients to do their own events. You know, I have a, a real strong push on them to set up their, their events and to do their own events and helping them create the content for that event, et cetera. But the reason this is important for, I believe, for all business professionals to be doing their own events is because it's exposure. It's additional exposure. You know, you mentioned uh, something, and I don't know if it was it was on this or before we actually started recording when we were talking, but you you talked about, you know, becoming that expert. And one of the reasons I started doing events was because the moment I started throwing a price tag on my speaking, guess what? A lot of those speaking opportunities kind of went to the wayside, right? It's amazing. When you're willing to speak for free, you can speak anywhere and everywhere, all day, every day, right? <laughs> yeah. But the moment there's a fee attached, all of a sudden, those opportunities become a little bit further apart. And I said, you know, like, if I go, you know, a, a month, if I go a month without speaking to an audience, like I start to lose my mind. I'll be honest with you. Right. So I, I realized very quickly that like, Hey, the light bulb went off one day and I'm like, look, if I just do my own events, I don't have to ask anybody for permission to speak. Um, I don't have to worry about them telling me what I can and can't speak about. I don't have to worry about them saying, Hey, listen, you can't offer a coaching program when you're done speaking. Like I didn't have to worry about any of that. Right. So doing my own event just made sense to me because whether I had 30 people or whether I had 300 people in the room, I had an opportunity to, again, like we mentioned earlier, share my knowledge with them in an effort to lift them to another level, to inspire them. And because of that, big things happened. Big things happened for my business. Big things happened for me and big things happened for the people that I was engaging with, you know, I read a book in prison by a guy named Zig Ziglar. Wow. And in that book, he said to get everything you want in life, just help enough other people get what they want. And doing the live events was a huge way to draw people in and help them get what they want. Yeah. So I think everybody should be doing events personally. Now, obviously, you know, right now that's not possible, but you can do it online. <laughs> that's right. You can still do events online. In fact, right. I did one um, last or earlier this week. I just said, Hey, I'm going to be on zoom. I'll answer any of your questions about personal branding. Come on. And I had quite a group. It was awesome. So yeah. I think there's, there's always an opportunity to help someone, whether you can, if you can't do it in person, you can do it online, but I think it's really important to show up. So right. thank you for that information. Yeah. All right. Last two questions. What okay. is a book recommendation that you have for the listeners? One of my favorite books, and this is, you know, obviously this is a marketing book for business people. Okay. Is Russell Brunson's expert secrets. I think there's some extremely valuable information for people that are looking to 
grow their businesses, um, this is a great business building book. Um, one of my favorite personal development books is by John Maxwell, and it's the 21 Indi Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. And then, of course, you know, the best book they'll ever read in their life is From Prison Your to Purpose book. by Steve uh -huh. Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. That was going in the show notes no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then do you have a favorite quote? You know what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one of mine again, actually. Knowledge is power, but sharing that knowledge is purpose. Yeah. I love that. You said that earlier and I, I love that. I thought I'm going to use that so often now. Yeah. I think it's a great message. Yeah, it is a good one, especially in this day and age, right? Yeah. We're absolutely. in the information age. That's where, you know, it's happening right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Share your knowledge. All right. Well, Steve Hopper, it was absolutely a pleasure to have you here. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. And I'm excited for us to do some cool things together, maybe. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. So listeners, be on the lookout. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, the Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the second phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.